You are Locked On Women's Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On Women's Basketball is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar, go enjoy the banana bread during your workout, after your workout, before your workout, maybe all three. You'll thank me later. Built Bar. Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Next Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Howard Megdahl, reminding you, you can follow us 24-7-365 at thenext.substack.com, where your favorite women's basketball writers, podcasters, videographers are all making sure you know everything there is to know about women's basketball. And I am joined by someone who we've written a lot about it, High Post Hoops, and in our podcasts, and in many different forms, now about to, hopefully soon, start her professional career, and that's Lauren Cox of the Indiana Fever. Lauren, thanks for taking the time to chat with us today. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. I want to start, if I could, and you wrote a piece over at Players Tribune that I really loved about the way you've persevered, you have overcome so much to get to a point in basketball where you have been remarkably successful at every level. And quite frankly, I expect that to continue at the professional level for some of the numbers I want to throw in here as well. And those numbers that you referenced were about things like points per game, rebounds per game. To me, if anything, that undersells the value that you put forward during your time at Baylor, where you win six women of the year, you managed to go out and play the four when it was needed, the five when it was needed, whether it's the fact that you were able to facilitate. Those numbers are, on a per-minute basis, even more impressive than a per-game basis. So I'd like to start by the way in which you think of and you look at the numbers that are most important to you when you're trying to evaluate the impact you're having on a game. I think the first thing that I look at um, is my turn uh, assist to turnover ratio. Mm-hmm. And um, Coach Mulkey always told us that it needed to be a two-to-one assist to turnover ratio. So I always wanted to make sure that I had, if I had two turnovers, I wanted to have four assists. So that was kind of the first thing that I looked at. And then the second thing was probably either blocks or rebounds. Um, I, I think if you look at my scoring – Um, that's not the biggest part of my game. That's Mm -hmm. not the main thing that I bring to the table. I think I bring other things like passing, defense, rebounding, that kind of thing. I do whatever it takes for my team to win. You know, the thing that's so interesting about the the way you block shots, and it didn't matter whether you were playing more of the traditional five or you were playing next to Kalani, it didn't matter. Your block shots, when you go by block rate, block percentage, were top 50 in the country, and you were 26th your freshman year, and you were 35th your senior year. So this was something that was consistent. And the reason why I think that's so interesting is obviously you are playing next to in Tierra McCowan when the season starts, we all hope very soon, somebody who obviously gets blocks and droves. And I guess I wonder how you come to those decisions as a four when you're in that position, when you're looking to get that block shot, when you're looking to sag off and let, you know, it was Kalani, it will be uh, T doing it. How is that decision made in the context of half-court defense for you? I think it's it really happens within a split second, you know. Um, it's just how the game is flowing, whether you have to come from outside to block a shot, whether you know your teammates, know that they can defend someone on their own. Um, it's 
it's instincts and it's kind of something that I've always had. It, this is in high school too. This has always been a shot blocking uh, area where you excel. I mean, not just a question of being able to be, I'm sure you were typically one of the taller players as you're growing up, but understanding the mm -hmm. when, not just the how. Yeah. Um, I have always taken defense personally and mm -hmm. um, I've always loved to block shots. I mean, I played volleyball all four years in high school so I think some of that kind of translated into the way that I block shots. Do you think that volleyball would have been a potential path for you if a scholarship and then professional opportunity was part of the sports landscape right now? I'm, I'm struck so many of the times within women's sports by how decisions are made based on where you could advance the furthest. And I wondered whether basketball was your true love or whether that played a part in your decision-making? Basketball has always been my true love. Um, I played volleyball just for the fun of it, you know, just to get away from basketball, give myself a little bit of a break. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, if you're playing basketball year-round, no matter how much you love it, you're going to get a little tired of it. So true. volleyball gave me a nice break, and I just had a lot of fun with it. Elena Deldon did the same thing, actually, when she took a year off from playing basketball. So maybe... There's, as part of a WNBA future all-star skills game, there can be some sort of volleyball challenge that happens. <laughs> that would be a lot of fun. <laughs> I, I, I would certainly be here for it. I, I, I do want to get into the assist turnover issue because, again, it's worth going back to when your game in person, I've had the privilege of being able to cover you in person, but it jumps off the page on the stat line as well. And so your assist rate is not just a question of two to one. You're up around 20% the last two years in terms of your assist percentage, which is a number you typically see from two guards at the collegiate level, not from players who are able to do as many other things as you do. Curious in your initial conversations with Marianne Stanley, how much, how often in the ways in which you're going to be utilized as a secondary playmaker in that way, in much the same way, quite frankly, that you see at times uh, Elena Deladon uh, do it and, frankly, see Emma Meesman do it as well uh, for Marianne's last team in Washington. Yeah, she's um, been telling me that she loves the way that I can pass the ball and um, it kind of goes back to rebounding. You know, I get a lot of defensive rebounds, so she said I'm going to be starting the break with the pass and then I'm going to be trailing and that she – really trust me to make decisions at the top of the key, make the next next pass, make make a handoff, whatever it is. Um, so I think she really likes that about my game. Your steal percentage also jumped very significantly. You were at 2.1% in your senior year. How much, obviously Baylor and your identity there was so based around defense, but how much of that comes down to it being something you're hunting, you're hunting steals, you're hunting deflections, and how much of that came from schematically what you guys were running? Yeah, I mean, Coach Mulkey always said that no matter how offensively skilled you are, if you can't play defense, then you're not going to be playing very much because mm -hmm. if you score 15 points a game but you're giving up 20, 25, then you're not doing us very good. So... She always put an emphasis on defense, whether that was um, being in the passing lane, getting deflections, getting steals, blocking shots, having a foot in the lane, being able to help our teammates. She always emphasized that, and we probably worked on it every day in practice. 
I guess to that end, from the offensive perspective, it's a strange thing to say about someone who scored as much as you did, but do you feel as if your game has even more room to grow on the offensive end of the floor right now? Yeah, I think no matter how good you are, there's always areas that you can grow in, and I, this past season, my senior year, I didn't get to shoot as many threes that I did my junior year because I was playing more of the five position playing mm-hmm. inside. So that's one of the areas that I want to improve on and want to get back to is shooting that outside shot. So let's talk more about that. I'm glad <clears throat> glad you brought that up because it's obviously a skill that you've had. You've flashed it uh, in several different seasons throughout your career. But like you said, your role in your senior season didn't allow for it in the same way that, you know, Kaladi is somebody who, and I don't have to tell you, is somebody who's capable of hitting that three, especially hitting that trail three, uh, and simply mm-hmm. wasn't having the opportunity to do that during her senior, your junior year as well. And it's something I know she's looking forward to doing more in Atlanta and something Nikki Collins talked to her about doing as well. So two parts to that. One is to be with someone like Marianne Stanley who has not just worked with a lot of the great bigs, I mean, you can go back decades. She's somebody who coached Ann Donovan uh, in college. Mm-hmm. So somebody who has a legacy of doing that, but also a legacy of coaching versatile bigs. How important was that? How significant was that? And was that on your radar come draft night when you're looking and you're seeing the way the dominoes are falling and there's a real opportunity for you to be drafted by Indiana at three? Yeah, I mean, I was really excited because um, Elena Deladon is one of my favorite players. So um, to know that Coach Stanley has coached her before, um, that was really exciting for me. And she always says, you know, you need to work on your outside shot because if you have an open shot, I want you to knock it down. I want Mm -hmm. you to take it. I'm not going to get mad at you for taking an open shot, but you need to get the reps in so that you can make those shots every time. So how are you getting reps in? Are you getting reps in? We're, we're in this very strange moment, obviously. And so take me through what you're able to do, what you're most missing not able to do at this moment as well. Yeah, it's been hard. Um, I've had to get really creative with workouts, just trying to stay in shape and stuff. And when gyms weren't really open, I was having to shoot outside. And you can't really shoot outside shots when it's windy and you shoot you shoot it straight and then the ball curves to the left curves to the right you know so I deeply object to Allie Quigley's handicap she had to experience shooting outside when she was playing horse a few weeks ago on the oh, yeah. for just that reason Allie Quigley who can hit the shot from anywhere and she's handicapped by having to play Outside instead of inside. I thought it was it was deeply problematic, and uh, I, I yeah. would register an objection. But please, go on. <laughs> yeah, so that's definitely been hard, but um, especially in Texas, things are starting to open up a little bit. So mm-hmm. um, I'm able to get in a gym now um, and get up some shots. How many in a day feels like enough to you right now? Um. I don't think there's a specific number. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just getting in the gym is just nice, just being in there again, you know, um, getting those shots up, hearing the ball bounce on the floor, go through the net. Um, it's just nice to be back in the gym. So I wouldn't say there's a specific number. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of just based on how I'm feeling, just going as hard as I can. And um, when I'm exhausted, then I know that I've done enough. 
Let's talk about your legacy a little bit too, because I think that we missed an opportunity for you to do something that very few people have done. And winning multiple national championships, that's a short list. And so I guess I want to start with what you make of the conversation, the women's basketball conversation, where so much of it has been centered around Oregon, absolutely a tremendous year, South Carolina, absolutely a tremendous year. It feels to me like Baylor doesn't get talked about in the same way, which is strange not only because you're the defending champions coming into what would have been, I think, an epic march, but because of how dominant you guys were all season. So if you take me through just how you're processing it, whether you think that this Baylor team would have won it all, I'm just wondering what your perception of it all is. Yeah, I mean, it was really disappointing that we didn't get to defend our title because I think we had a really good shot at it. We had a really good team, um, a lot of returners that were on that national championship team, and um, with the addition of some really good new players. Um, so it was heartbreaking when we didn't get to make that run again. And um, I think maybe a lot of people counted us out when South Carolina beat us over the Thanksgiving break. Um, but, I mean, I was hurt at that time. Right. And I'm not saying that we would have won the game if I was playing, but I, like I said before, I'm willing to do anything to help my team win. So, um, I didn't get to play against them. Um, so I, I think if we would have played an NCAA tournament, I think we would have met him in the Final Four, and it would have been a really good game. It's hard to imagine taking that seriously as some precursor. You know, one of the teams missing its best player. It's it's just not a reasonable way to evaluate that matchup, in my in my opinion. And, you know, I'm happy to say that. I know that might not be something for you to say. But, yes, absolutely. The chance to see you guys at full strength and them at full strength would have been a, an epic matchup for sure. Mm-hmm. There's another part to that, though, which is you won a national championship. And, and let's be clear, you wouldn't have won a national championship at Baylor without everything you did on that team all season and 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 that is stipulated but because of your injury in that final game you were not able to play those final few minutes i i remember it i remember the hush in the crowd i remember i remember tim's tears talking about this after the game Mm -hmm. when when we didn't know yet how serious the injury would be or how quickly you'd be able to come back is that added to that frustration for you, just knowing that you weren't able to experience that as a, as a collegiate athlete? And I, I just wonder just how you process it and how you move past that emotionally. Yeah, I mean, that was bittersweet for me because, I mean, it was a dream come true to win the national championship, but I didn't know how severe my injury was going to be. I didn't get to run out on the court and hug my teammates after right. the game. You know, I, had, I was stuck on the sideline and they had to come to me. So that was definitely hard, um, just not being like, because that's, those are all the pictures, you know, all the videos, everyone running out, and I'm just, I'm missing from all of those. So that's, that was kind of heartbreaking for me, and yeah. um, not getting to defend that title and possibly do that again this year kind of made it even worse. Um, I think getting over all the emotions, um that was definitely hard. I cried for a couple of days when we found out the news, but just looking forward to the draft, um, looking forward to that, that future, uh, that kind of helps me get over all of the emotions. When you think about 
getting back onto the court. Do you visualize it? And, and, and if so, how do you visualize it when it's so hard to know? We don't know where it will be. We don't know when it will be. And it would be obviously a dramatically different experience from the games you're used to playing in front of a, lar- a large number of fans. Yeah, it's definitely going to be weird um, once we get back out there. But I think all the players probably have the same opinion. We just want to play, you know, whether that's in front of fans, whether that's in an empty gym, whatever it is, we just want to play because we love the game. On the business side of things, I saw you ultimately signed with Aaron Kane and Octodon. And I'm hoping you could take me through what it's like to be one of the most sought after players in the draft how those conversations go and how you figure that out in the midst of, in particularly, a very strange period of time, you know, whether it's the end of the college season or the uncertainty that comes with the pro season ahead. Yeah, um, that whole process was kind of interesting. It was kind of like being recruited all over again, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, You're on the phone with people, trying to get to know them, um, then trying to get to know you and in the end, I picked Erin because I just felt comfortable with her. I felt like I can I could talk to her about anything, and um, it, it just felt right for me. She obviously also represents Elena Deladon, who's a player you've talked about as your favorite. Elena is obviously a parallel to you in a number of ways, but do you think that what Elena has done in this league is your goal, your stealing as a player? Do you see that differing I'm just wondering how you define your arc ahead and where you want to get to as a player yeah I mean I look at her and I see someone that can score at any level with ease you know um she puts up a difficult shot and she makes it look easy you know so I I don't know if I want to necessarily like frame my game after her because like I said, scoring isn't the main thing that I do. Um, If my team needs me to score, then I'm going to step up. I'm going to get the reps in. I'm going to do whatever it takes for me to be that kind of score, but need me to rebound. I'm going to do that. If they need me to defend, to make good passes, whatever it is, I'm going to do that. I guess I wonder, and you're seeing it on the ground. So you're seeing it in a different way than I am covering it, but if you go back a few years, somebody with the size of Elena Deladon doing the things that she does, or, you know, Lauren Jackson's an example, uh, Candace Parker's an example, but these were uh, exceptions to the rule. And now we're in a world with Elena still playing, with Candace still playing, with Brianna Stewart playing, obviously, with no shortage of other people. Look, we had multiple people, yourself included, in this draft. Uh, with Bella Allery as well, with Satu Sabali, who are able to, at a size 6'3", 6'4", 6'5", be able to play guard still positions, or able to shoot the ball from anywhere. And I guess what I'm wondering is whether you think this is becoming the norm, and we're rapidly evolving in the league toward a part where there are simply bigs and other bigs, rather than the more traditional one through five. Yeah, I think we're definitely evolving, you know. Um, I think the more versatile you are, the more dangerous you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, I think that every team kind of needs that true 
five player, you know, um, someone that can get down in the low post, bang around with everybody, um, just a big body down in the post. Um, I think a lot of people, my junior year when we won the championship, were like, I mean, is Baylor going to win it because they're kind of playing old school basketball and everyone else is kind of playing new school. Um, so, and we proved it. I mean, it worked for us. It turned and out okay. <laughs> Yeah, didn't want to shy away from that game. No, and 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 it was remarkable to see up close. <clears throat> and obviously, there's more to come in Indiana. It's something I'm I'm really looking forward to. The last thing, and I've asked this of other people who are going through the quarantine in the way we all are. But when this is all over, when we're back to normal, what is the first thing you are most excited about seeing, doing? Eden, maybe. What's what's number one on your list? Um, maybe going to like a movie theater or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, like I said, Texas has kind of started to open up, so I've actually been like to a couple of restaurants, you know, sitting out on the patio again. Mm-hmm. That was my number one thing that I wanted to do. Um, so maybe, yeah, going to a movie. Movie would be nice. That would be very nice. Yeah. Well, well, Lauren Cox, a pleasure to chat with you. Always great to get the opportunity, and sure do look forward to the other side where you get to play and we get to talk about the game. But thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you.